senator, while insisting he was not intoxicated, could not explain his nudity. I'm not normally a praying man, but if you're up there, please save me, Superman! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Hi, and welcome to the Crisis on Infinite Midlives podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. This is episode 55, and we are actually, for once, taping this uh, early, extremely early. Yeah. Um, we're taping it on Saturday because, uh, yeah, if you've been listening to the last few episodes, uh, you know, we've, we've had a small amount of uh, snow. <laughs> small amount of snow here uh, in Boston at the site of the Crisis on Infinite Midlives home office. and uh, Small. Yeah, you know, like uh, 65 inches of snow. Literally, in the last two and a half weeks. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's really not a hell of a lot more you could say about it. It's actually more than that. You're saying small, and it's. I'm like, yeah, like, Galactus is small compared to God. (laughs) (laughs) True. That is true. But, you know, we're not... I was going to say we're not completely buried, but we kind of are. <laughs> we we are completely buried. The the sidewalk in front of the home office uh, has been cleared, and it has a snowbank uh, <laughs> up to my shoulder, and I'm six feet tall. Um, yeah, it's it's not pretty out there. I mean, it's pretty if you like that kind of um, Arctic sort of. I mean, at this tundra. point, <laughs> at this point, there's so much snow. You're goddamn snow blind if you look outside for more than two or three minutes. It's so true. How beautiful it is doesn't make any fucking difference. Yeah, but. So yeah, about 65 inches of snow, and we decided to tape early because, uh, yeah, as we speak, uh, I believe the uh, third, third blizzard, third, third blizzard. fucking blizzard, third goddamn fucking blizzard yeah. since the end of January is hitting the Boston area, and yeah, uh, unlike the last one, which was just a huge amount of snow, this is going to be a full-on blizzard with gale force winds and mm-hmm. potential hurricane force winds, and God only knows if we'll actually have power all through uh, tomorrow. So, so we're taping early. So yeah, we figured, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'd tape today, you know, and uh, just get savagely drunk and uh, hope everything continues to work through the night. Because it's Valentine's Day, so we were going to get savagely drunk anyway. Well, absolutely, because I love you, baby. I love you too. Which means <laughs> booze, because that's what we do. It's what we do. It's how we show affection. That's right, because nobody else can keep up with us. So it, it really is a sign that we belong together. I did also buy chocolate. And that will go well with the case of beer that- <laughs> I'll probably have to drink to not go completely berserk. I swear to God, I, I keep going down to the basement, and water has been trickling in to the basement for the last week, always in different spots. Chocolate and scotch go together, right? You gotta want it, but sure. Nah, I feel like there's probably I could probably like you know like come up with some stupid tasting notes like you know uh, the brininess works with the the sea salt caramel blurg. <laughs> Words. Just based on on what you described, I take it back. (laughs) Chocolate does not go with scotch. That sounds fucking horrible. I thought I'd put together this cocoa and this oyster. Let's see what happens. Oh, (laughs) Jesus. Happy Valentine's Day. You are the worst kind of person. Screw you. Fern Andrea somewhere right now. I just got an idea. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. So, so yeah, I I honestly don't know how we're going to continue to survive this winter. As long as the roof holds, because, yeah, all that, that water that's seeping into the foundation, it's just like, how much shit's up there? <laughs> well, I've looked on the roof, and the roof is okay. Okay. The problem is we've got these weird, tiny gutters, because they've got the the corners of the roof set to go into this small gutter. I'm sure it's a beautiful design if you live in, say, Southern California, which, <laughs> believe me, 
I'm considering at this point. <laughs> no, I, I love our annual trip to San Diego for Comic-Con, but I think I could stand to see how San Diego looks in fucking February. <laughs> it's got to be better than this. I understand it's sunny. Uh, that's what I hear. So, But yeah, it's just that the gutters are all filled. So we've got ice coming out of there, and it, it's the... It's the icicles dripping down the side of the house that's causing the the stuff to go into the garage. But you know, you go in there and it's just in a different spot every day. It's like, okay, when is the leak in the spring that destroys all the shit that we're storing? Yeah, it's just. And I realize in the last three shows we've opened up just bitching about the weather, but I've never seen anything like this before, and no. I've lived here all my life. No, I, and, and we may have mentioned this with the, the last bitch session on this. It really felt as we were coming into the end of January, like, you know, we were going to get through this with a fairly light impact from snow. Oh, yeah. We only had like six or seven inches through December and January. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the the heavens just unleashed and said, fuck you. It, it's like <laughs> Joss Whedon planned the winter. Yeah. Oh, it looks like everything's going to be fine. Oh, it's a, the end of January. What? Truly, we are a leaf on the wind. Watch us. Oh, God! <laughs> Oh, Jesus, no! <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just unbelievable. Another 9 to 12 inches of snow we're going to be facing, plus gale force winds, so... Leaf on the wind into Father Winter's taint. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say write down Father Winter's taint, but... Yeah, I iTunes don't that want that. <laughs> All our good titles are just too goddamn vile <laughs> to be on even the internet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, it's, it's a terrible time to live around here. Lightning. Fire. Power of God or something. I would take that right now, because <laughs> lightning and fire are fucking warm. They are warm. They melt the shit off the front steps. Oh, my God. So so that's what we're looking at. The, the snow has started here uh, in the greater Boston area. However, we did manage to, to get out early in the day uh, to go view Kingsman. We uh, did. The Secret Service, which... Is not getting a hell of a lot of hype as being a comic book movie, but no. you know, if you're a comic fan, you know it's it's based on Mark Millar's The Secret Service that came out in 2012. Mm -hmm. So, and we read that as it came out at the time. Yeah. We weren't doing the podcast, but uh, the website was for comic reviews and, and comic news, and I re I reviewed the first issue <laughs> uh, when it. Came what did you say, Uncle Rob? <laughs> That's right. Get Uncle Rob some bourbon and huckle up. He's got a story to tell. <laughs> I mean, the long story short on it was uh, having read the individual issues as they came out of the Secret Service, I uh, I, I fucking hated it. <laughs> it was... I really didn't like it at all. I mean, none of the characters, particularly from the first issue. I mean, the first issue... The review that I wrote, I titled Small Idea Comics. That's right. I remember that. Because really, particularly for the last, maybe forever, but at least for the last few years, feels like whenever Millar comes out with something, it's it's something that can be described in an elevator pitch. Mm -hmm. It's something that you can shriek at a movie executive, either in the elevator at you know, in San Diego Comic Con, or you know, over a couple of lines of blow in the Hyatt bathroom at Comic Con, to to try to get a movie made out. And it's, this it, is like what? What if James Bond came from subsidized housing? Yeah, it's a, what if James Bond were a fucking yabo douchebag from South London? It's basically <laughs> what it comes down to. 
But was, I, was it South London? I'm not really up on. I, I didn't catch which borough it was. It, in the original uh, issues, it was South London. Okay. Um. So yeah, it's just from from looking at the the original review because I went back and one of the things I did was since I just read the issues when we decided we were going to see the movie and talk about it on the show this week, I went down to the local comic store and as loath as I was to give Millar any more money for what I thought was this <laughs> uh, terrible goddamn series, I picked up the trade. Yeah. Um, so I've reread the entire thing in the last couple days. You know, plus I looked at the review and what I hated about the, the first issue, none of the characters were likable, period. Yeah. Now I realize that you don't necessarily need to have characters you like to have a good story, but it helps if there's at least one, maybe two that you don't want to back over with a fucking rider truck. They were just all reprehensible, fucking horrible people. So it's like the Jersey Shore made a comic book. Yeah, except I, I would rather have watched Jersey Shore. Oh, God. Was, well, we're, we're talking about uh, Gary. Yeah, they call him Eggsy in the movie, and, and that's the nickname that comes up once or twice in the book. But it's basically Gary in the book. You know, his mom is basically all but whoring with this dude so that she can live with him. And, you know, other family members are and friends are having their kids roll joints, you know, because it's funny. It's a laugh. I used to make my mom highballs. Well, we've established you've had a, a terrible childhood in and of yourself. I mean, I remember vividly. Uh, yeah, she she had her friend Connie over. <laughs> oh, please continue, because whenever you talk about your childhood on this show, it's. It's horrible in that glorious way. And and we had a, a, a wide variety of glassware in the house. Um, and I don't know really, uh, you know, I, when I'm eight, I think when this happened, um, anything other than I have to pick a glass and I'm supposed to, I said, Mom, what do I put in it? I think, well, uh, use the, the Canadian whiskey over there. It was uh, wrong and you knew it. It, it was. <laughs> and, and ginger ale. I said, okay, well, how, how much? And she said, I don't know, half and half. So Jesus my, Christ. my dad had these giant sort of barrel shaped beer glasses that kind of looked like an, a beheaded owl. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I, they must've held at least 16 ounces. I, <laughs> and I got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> so I grabbed the plastic jug Canadian <laughs> <laughs> and I, I filled the glass up halfway with the whiskey and the rest of the way up with the ginger ale. And I, Padded back and put it down, and pretty sure that my mom and Connie were asleep in the next two hours. You're an imbecile. No, she said half and half, so that's what I did. Actually, I've changed my mind. Can you go make me a drink? I think it'll make the show go a lot better. <laughs> no Canadian stuff, though. Full Tennessee. Okay. Nah, screw it. I got like three beers here. <laughs> it'll be fine. So, so are you in the Secret Service? I guess is the question because that seems like a somewhat comparable upbringing to. Um, I, I think if I were to disclose something like that, I'm fairly certain I'm supposed to kill you. Is that, uh, you know, pretty sure that's how that works. Check the weather. If there's more snow in the next 10 days, <laughs> fucking tell me and kill me. I don't fucking Or, or I zap you with the, the handy amnesia dart. <laughs> <laughs> I, can I get some of that for Christmas or? <laughs> You've got a whole bottle of amnesia dart downstairs. I got three cans of it yeah, right here. Yeah, but it won't fit in my my watch, my my cool smartwatch that I'm supposed to have. Pour but... it into a glass that looks like an owl. It'll work. <laughs> You're going to be fine. 
Okay. So, so yeah, it, in the book, everybody in that first issue was just a reprehensible douchebag. Um, other problem I had, it, there's there's a scene, and it's sort of replicated in the movie, but where Gary steals a car with his buddies. Um, the circumstances behind his stealing the car in the comic and almost the how the scene plays out is almost beat for beat. Mm. The same scene with Dane in Grant Morrison's The Invisibles. That's a good point. In one of the first few issues. Yeah. To, to the point it really, it sucked me out of the book. I had to go grab my Say You Want a Revolution trade saying, and, and, am I hallucinating? No, he pretty much took the entire thing. All the motivation for doing it and how it played out. Yeah, at least with the cops, at least they weren't supernatural evil cops. But so, and the weird thing is the book opens almost the same way the movie does mm. with the bad guys have captured Mark Hamill. <laughs> now in the movie, Mark Hamill is playing a scientist, but in the book, it's flat out they've kidnapped Mark Hamill. <laughs> and we learn very quickly in the book that whoever's behind this is kidnapping people who are in Star Wars and Doctor Who and Star Trek. And the first thing I thought when when that revelation came was, okay, if you've got this shadowy, powerful person who can kidnap celebrities and loves science, they're kidnapping Harrison Ford. They're kidnapping Stan Lee. Well, <laughs> if you got to go, okay, if you're going Star Wars, if you're going any... You're doing Harrison Ford. Yes. You know, Star Wars, Blade Runner, Raiders of the Lost Ark. You're not doing Mark Hamill. You know why you're doing Mark Hamill? Because if you're Mark Millar, you're saying, hmm, who can I get to do a celebrity cameo yeah. in my movie? And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Although, again, Stan Lee would just show up if you offered him a meal, especially if it's, I don't know, soft food. Exactly. <laughs> Don't you diss Stanley and his dentures? They get to a certain age, the soft food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, give him bowl of muck, <laughs> thin gruel. He'll be fine with Stan that. Stan egg salad. Trust me, <laughs> it's easy to say about Stan. Stan wants his check. Yeah, Stan knows where the money's coming in. Oh yeah. So, but the point was not. <laughs> no. The, the point was Mark Hamill was in there instead of some bigger name because. Doing Millar's, his almost Joker voice. Yes, he did that in the movie, because <laughs> that's as close as he can get to an English accent, I guess. I guess. Closer than I can get. Yeah. But, but it, yeah, he was clearly in there in the book, because Millar's thinking, okay, who could I maybe get from Star Wars who'd actually be in this, literally for a hot Right, deal. right. So, so no. yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it, it just, it dragged me out. I fucking couldn't stand, particularly that first issue. And I read all of them when I went through, and reading them split up like that didn't help my thoughts about the book. Mm. Having read it in the last couple of days in a complete book form where it's all available, I think it holds up a little bit better. Okay. I find I didn't... Th there's still serious problems with it. There's, there's enough wink and nod geek shit from Millar... The whole plan to go after celebrities, he calls Operation Star Killer. Mm. Okay, yeah, I, I went on the internet when <laughs> I first got on it and found the first draft of the Star Wars script, too. I get, I get what you're laying down. You now, in little cameo appearances by Ridley Scott, and you know, just the, the whole simple, basic idea of, yeah, what if you've got some towny dipshit to be James Bond? Um, So I think it holds up better. So I felt a little... Literally, when we decided, okay, we're going to go 
see the movie and and talk about it this week. I even though it was mostly my idea, I was like, I, I really don't want to see it. I felt a little bit better about it having seen the trade. So, regardless of the comic, which I know you've not reread all the way through no, since the issues came out, flip through it. So, how do you think the movie, as a movie, holds up? Well, let's, I, as we were sort of talking when we got out of the movie, I I enjoyed it. I, there were moments I laughed out loud. We were in a theater full of people. Granted, we were all crammed in there because a it's it's a Hallmark holiday and people were having dates, yeah, and, and before the snow started. Yeah, I say, and b people were finding shelter from the storm. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we were in a fairly full theater that clapped at the end of it. <laughs> yeah. Now you don't I, see that off. You don't hear that often. <laughs> well, not on the East Coast. I've been to movies out in L.A. Yeah. And it's a couple of them anyway, and it happened both times I was out there. Now this is back in the eighties. Yeah. Um, but my understanding it's a lot more common out there. Then again, it would make more sense if you're in L.A. Somebody who worked on the movie maybe in the theater yeah, with you. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, on the outskirts of Boston, you don't get that. So yeah, clearly, people liked it. I I thought it was pretty good. It had some problems. Well, let's just say, like I said, my initial reaction was I enjoyed this movie. Now, as we sat and sort of talked about it during lunch afterwards, yeah. You, you can start picking things apart and finding fault with things, but I don't think it's a movie that you're supposed to think about very hard. Well, yeah, it is meant to be, it's meant to be an action movie. Yeah. It's meant to be a sort of modernized reimagining of, oh, what if James Bond were X? Yeah. And it's, <laughs> I, I hate that kind of shit from Mark Millar because every single book can be boiled down to a sentence that way. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it, it was entertaining. There were, I think Matthew Vaughn, who directed it, did a smart thing in, may, I think possibly the best way to adapt the Mark Millar comic is to immediately chuck like 60% of it right out the fucking window. <laughs> yeah. And, and just keep, sort of the overall spirit of the comic was there, but there were massive differences. Right. Um, one of the main main one, the just the main character, you know, mostly Gary in the book. They called him Eggsy once or twice, but he's flat out called Eggsy, which is the you stayed in London for a while. Is that even a fucking name? Um, is that anything you've ever heard before? No, but I and what was his last name? Maybe it was some play on that. <laughs> in the book, it was like Onwin or something. I don't know. So. <laughs> I mean, it was some last. It was some nickname that he picked up hanging out on the the council flat, as it were. Um, <laughs> yeah, but no, he had it right. Council when, estate, excuse me. <laughs> at least in the movie, he had it right as a child when when Harry went to see him the first time. When yeah, his, I, I don't know. By the I, way, we're going to spoil the living shit out of this movie. It could be it, there could be some backstory. I don't know. Maybe that's what he referred to eggs as when he was a kid or something. I I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't asking for an overall. You know, give me an answer with his name, Kane. I just people, wanted to know if you'd ever heard of him before. People get weird last names. It's it's like, I don't know, there are a lot of people wandering around the greater Boston area that answer to Sully. Like, <laughs> I think I'm the only adult male who doesn't. <laughs> Even then, I probably would. But Yeah, it's sort of like saying, hey, you, in a crowded room. Yeah. <laughs> but in, in the movie, Eggsy... Right from the beginning, he's shown as a kid who's been in some trouble, but shown as a decent kid right from the beginning, trying to take care of his little sister, and his only real beef is with the stepfather, Dean. Yeah. 
now it, he does steal a car the way he does in the comic book, but the main difference is in the movie, it's a pure act of retribution against one of Dean's asshole friends who threatened him. Yep. In the comic, like I said, it's beat for beat from the Invisibles. Kid's just a punk. He and his buddies got high and stole a car because mom wouldn't give him money for the movies. Got to do something. Yep. And yeah, he's just really shown as low class from a low class family and doesn't show any redeeming. The only redeeming quality, and this this happened both in the book and in the movie, the only redeeming quality that he has in the first issue of the comic is he crashes the stolen car because he doesn't want to run down a stray animal. Yeah. Which I guess Millar meant to show us that perhaps he's a decent person, but really all that shows is he's not probably clinically a psychopath. <laughs> it's when literally the lowest common denominator of humanity is don't injure the helpless. You're not showing, oh, this kid's a ray of fucking sunshine. We're, we're to infer from it that probably there is also not a bedwetting and fire setting in his ba- in his background. <laughs> well, I certainly wouldn't get him a bespoke suit if he was pissing his pants, but <laughs> probably a good thing you could figure. But, yes. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, Eggsy's family, uh, another difference. The only real douchebag in the movie is... Dean. Yeah. Dean and his friends. Whereas, like I said earlier on... Well, we're to believe that mom has fallen low because her deceased husband is no longer there to help support the family. Yeah. And and that doesn't seem to be the case in, in the comic. It seems like, nah, it's just the, the whole lot of them. And just... Well, and, and it's a certain thematic difference between the book and the movie uh, as well. Um, and I think that that you can kind of base all around the, the the biggest difference at the core of the story is in Jack, Jack London yep. in the comic versus Harry. What was his name? Hill. Yeah. Some the the dude who brings Gary slash Eggsy into the Secret Service. Right. In the book, it's his uncle. It's a dude who was from the same place, Mm -hmm. grew up the same way, and managed to pull himself out of it, and has tried very hard to separate himself from his family because he no longer has really anything in common with him. Whereas, you're right, in the movie, it's this guy, Harry, who had recruited Eggsy's father and got him killed on his first mission, and... But even then, he was never from there. Right. His big thing is, no, I believe people from this circumstance can do this kind of work and would be a good direction for this kind of work to go in. The first proof of concept was Eggsy's father, who got himself fucking killed within 20 minutes, apparently. (laughs) So that's not a good proof of concept there, Harry, but what the fuck? Um, And then Eggsy, so it's... Well, the the idea is supposed to be, I mean, and again, it's, it's maybe slightly harder for someone from the United States to relate to. There's an expectation in some of of British society that in order to get into a particular line of work, then you you should have gone to the public school system and you're going to your Eatons and your your, um, similar Cambridge kind of schools 
and and that's the feeder system apparently even for their actors from what i'm reading um, okay um and that that's how you get into some of the better lines of work whereas if you go through the state sponsored schools and then then you're looking at different lines of work and and there's um some difficulty bridging the gap okay so when Harry and Arthur are having the the sort of back and forth where Harry calls him a snob. He he is, but he sees nothing wrong with that, <laughs> which is why later on when the villain Valentine approaches him about being one of the the saved, yeah, he's down with that because why would he want to stick around with the unwashed masses? Yeah, well, we're gonna have to talk about Valentine and his plan in a little <laughs> bit, but it, to me, it, it made a very different story when you've got somebody from outside that level of poverty saying, I will elevate you and you can learn to be like me yeah, versus a family member remembering this is what I came from. And yeah, okay. I, I remember being the kind of kid who would, the Adidas sneakers were the most important goddamn thing in his world. One I think is more powerful. And that's one thing I'll give Malar. Yeah. Having it be, somebody from there was more affecting than yeah. just you know, even even with all the rigmarole and bits of business that uh, Vaughn and whoever the screenwriter was, of course I didn't look up who wrote the script on it. Might have been Vaughn. I think he was one of the writers, yeah. Because yeah, I remember uh Millar said that right from the first issue Vaughn was working on a screenplay for it. So at least he had a piece of it. But mm-hmm. oh yeah, all the all the bits of business about, oh I feel responsible for getting your father killed and putting you in this situation. Somehow it's more affecting when it's, yeah, okay, I was from here and I kind of forgot. And I do think that you can get out of it. Yeah. No, I I agree. It, it, I found it funny that they kind of ended up going the, as the kid even pointed out, my fair lady route. <laughs> yeah. Because then it turns into, you know, how, how, how can we shape you in this image and, and bring you along? And, and then it turns, it does turn very much into a, you know, with with the right suit and the right manners, anyone can raise themselves in society. You just need the right, you know, patron. <laughs> that <laughs> Well, yeah, and the more I think about it, in the comic, the Secret Service, and, and let's be clear, the Secret Service in the comic is not this ephemeral, independent spy agency. It's the fucking British Secret Service. Yeah. Um, they don't do any of that stuff. The stuff around the clothes all came from Jack. Right. I thought the training also in the book was a lot more interesting than what we saw in the movie. Now, in the movie, it was a lot more visual, and Mm -hmm. it has to be. And I I think they did it also to kind of pare things down quickly because they had other story they needed to tell. As you pointed out, yeah, in order to get all of this trade into a however many minute long movie this was, two hours? Something like that. You know, you you have to jettison a lot. (laughs) So yeah. that you can spend enough time on, okay, now everybody's up to speed and trained, and now we have to go out and, and defeat the bad guy. Yeah, and, and however long it was, they could have trimmed a little more. Like, like yeah. I said right afterwards, this failed my cigarette test. My yeah. test for any movie is as to how good it is, um, and I think I, I got this idea from Stephen King, but it totally works. It's a, If I start wishing for a cigarette before the movie's over, it probably is too long. Yeah. But, but that's that's neither here nor there. 
the training in the book, why I thought it was more interesting, seemed like far more practical, mm -hmm. even for a book that was trying to show James Bond. <laughs> it starts out with his first training was panhandling. It's like, look, you got to be able to convince strangers to do things quickly. Mm -hmm. His his final test, as opposed to shoot this dog, <laughs> was okay. We, we've dropped you in your underpants in South America. You've got twenty four hours to get back to London. <laughs> now, granted, in that case, the shoot the dog is probably more, more of a, expedient. Yeah, but even then, I told you it reminded me of that joke. Yeah, <laughs> that's a uh, three guys are up for a secret agent job at the CIA, and they. They say, okay, behind that door is your wife. Here's a gun. You got to go in there and shoot him. And the first agent says, forget it. I can't possibly do it. It's like, all right, you fail. Second one, hands him the gun. He walks up to the door, opens it, sees his wife, closes the door, says, I can't do it. Hands the gun back. Third guy takes the gun, opens the door, goes in, close it. You hear bang. And you hear bang, bang. And then you hear furniture scuffling around <laughs> and screaming and pounding. And five minutes later, he comes out panting out of breath going some piece of shit put blanks on my gun so i had to beat the bitch to death <laughs> yeah so, <laughs> so yeah the whole shoot the dog thing <laughs> felt a little bit like that well and also there there's the moment of you, you know he's not going to shoot the dog so are they looking for someone who's compassionate to to lower creatures or are they just looking for blind devotion in the face of the state and the answer is uh column b <laughs> yeah exactly just pull the goddamn trigger so but overall, yeah, I, I like the training in, in the book better. Even the, the wildly inaccurate get from South America with no resources to London <laughs> in 24 hours. It was entertaining how it escalated and he kept making wrong decisions and whatever they thought he'd do. You know, oh, maybe you should sneak around. No, I'm going to punch out a cop and steal his uniform. <laughs> and I'll just drive straight to where I should pick the stuff. Oh, he's a drug dealer and wants to shoot cops. Okay, well, <laughs> it, it was... Yeah, the, the training in the book I thought was more interesting. Again, far more visual in the the movie, and Vaughn certainly did a good I, a good job of showing, of ratcheting up the tension in all those scenes. Yeah. You know, what really could be kind of a standard, okay, somebody doesn't have a parachute. He was pretty good, although there were a few sequences where it felt like it went on too long. It's The tension's coming up and the music rises to show tension, and, you know, that was one... Yeah, and I'm trying to think of another example, and it's escaping me right now. But th there were two or three things. The dog is yeah. another one, where it went on probably 20 seconds too long. Let's move to a close-up of the dog and raise the music, and uh, look at this poor, pathetic, drooling pug's big, stupid pug eyes. And <laughs> will he shoot him? No, he's not going to shoot. No, him. he's not going to shoot. Him. It's a fucking movie. <laughs> Although I was, I was concerned later on after he finally got his shit together and he came home with the dog after he uh, he had to leave the dog home in his flat when he went out to go try to beat up his stepfather and and then he was uh remote control card back to 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 harry i was worried about the dog being left alone with dean <laughs> well because yeah they, they went a little empire strikes back timing on that one. yeah <laughs> well because yeah the, the car goes to harry's and harry gets the tip as to where the test is going to happen right and he <laughs> He tells Eggsy, you stay here while I check this out. And he flies to fucking Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Eggsy apparently is just going doop a doop. Well, yeah, he somehow gets there like quickly in real time because it's still daylight in Eggsy's world. <laughs> yeah, he's just sort of sitting there sort of watching stuff. On the... Like what, I'm staying the night? Like... 
Well, it's like the Empire Strikes Back timing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, where Han and Leia are in the asteroid belt running from the fleet at the same time Luke is apparently spending months and months training to be a fucking Jedi. Yeah. Now, if the timing were exactly straight, Luke's had six hours worth of training before he flies out. God, no wonder he's a shitty Jedi. Yeah, <laughs> well, we'll talk more about Jedis later. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, what uh, what other, like, differences or anything else leap out from the... Um... Again, the differences, I know you haven't reread the whole thing, so what else about the movie has leapt out about you you might want to talk about? I, and we, we talked about this at, at lunch, Valentine's grand plan to, to save the 1%. Yeah. <laughs> and then blow the rest of us to hell. All right, so you do that, you're still going to find yourselves stratified into into worker bees and ruling class anyway, because somebody's going to take the garbage out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that was sort of a... A problem. And they cover that shit in Brave New World. The experiment didn't work and they had to nuke that island. (laughs) Well, I have not read Brave New World because it doesn't have pictures in it. That's why they ended up ultimately going with a utopia that had class system built in. (laughs) Look, the the entire plan overall was kind of sketchy through the the entire thing. We've got Valentine spending the movie going world leader to world leader, pitching this idea... And everybody just sort of signs up and says, yep, sounds great, from the President of the United States, <laughs> who they found an Obama lookalike, at least from the back of the head, yeah. all the way down. Yeah, everybody's just sort of, yep, mass genocide, no problem. And yeah, nobody stopped to think. Except for the Princess of Scandinavia. She's apparently a cool shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you got the right bone structure, I guess it makes you a good human being. I guess. <laughs> Look, it's supposed to be a James Bond movie. Uh, Eggsy needed somebody to bone at the end of the flick. Oh, I so. agree. I agree. Um, so there's that. I thought also that, you know, the, the conceit of, all right, so we've got these SIM cards that will transmit this, uh, noise that will make people behave in a a monstrous and awful way was a really great plot device. The first time I saw it on a new doctor who, when they introduced the Cybermen back into their continuity. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And the conceit was similar in the book although i think it was just going over airwaves or something yeah so yeah look the whole goddamn thing's derivative the elevator pitch is what if james bond yeah dot 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 right why the fuck do you even get samuel l jackson to play that role I don't know, because it looks like he's drawn to look like Bill Gates in the trade. No, he definitely is supposed to be Bill Gates in the trade. I, I guess, I don't know. I mean, was was he trying to make a, a pitch, or were they trying to make some sort of pitch for diversity at that point when they realized how blindingly white the rest of the cast was? <laughs> uh, anything is is possible. So it's like, oh, good. Yeah, you know what? We, we, all right, let's, let's, let's get a black guy to be the villain. And you know what? Um... To to play the, the 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 sidekick henchman, we should get um, a, a woman of indeterminate ethnicity who may or may not have been a dude at some point, and and she can be his paraplegic odd jobs, and <laughs> <laughs> and 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 okay, so now we've covered diversity. <laughs> I I guess I mean I certainly don't believe Samuel L. Jackson is a computer genius. I'm not convinced Samuel L. Jackson knows how to use a computer. You want God's truth. 
I don't think that I would argue the point with him, though. And if if you got Samuel L. Jackson, why do you make him lisp like he's practicing his butthead impression through the whole movie? I I don't know. It's like making Morgan Freeman go falsetto for an entire movie. Yeah. Half of why you get Sam Jackson is, I want these motherfucking snakes. I, I maybe they thought it would make him seem more. Yes, deep. I'm a Mormon. That's why I just smoked a pack of Newport and drank three vodka tonic. That's Samuel L. Jackson. Per- perhaps he was trying to soften the character in such a way that he would seem more nerd-like. I, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've got Samuel Jackson playing a lisping computer genius who pukes at the sight of blood. Yeah. This is the most miscast character I can think of in my entire life. Yeah, this really seems like if anything was ever supposed to be handed to Michael Sarah on a silver platter. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or perfect. Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah. Or like... yeah. And why not? It's. <laughs> or where's, where's McLovin? <laughs> <laughs> he was in uh, Kick Ass 2. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's to Jackson's credit, I don't think he did a terrible job. No. Uh, watching the movie, there were some times that this is not there, but it's not like it was like, oh, I just flat out don't believe this. But it just, it's a kind of performance that doesn't hold up the more you think about it 10 minutes later. Yeah. I don't know. Well, honestly, it seems to me that if they were going to cast Jackson as anyone, they should have had him be the henchman. <laughs> but. Well, I mean, that's where, yeah, if they're, you're going to put diversity into it. Because, I mean, not not that you can't. Um, cross race, like in your casting, but it, it just seemed odd. Well, like the, not even not 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 even that they went with an African American actor, just that particular one. There, there's got to be somebody out. Uh, Larry Wilmore wasn't available. Like, yeah, like, yeah he'd have been fine actually. <laughs> but it's they they painted themselves into a into certain corners with the decision to not make it just the British Secret Service and make it this secret organization with a legitimate <laughs> I, I wondered why there wasn't an actual round table since everybody was named <laughs> Merlin and Arthur and Lancelot yeah. and by doing that the whole henchman being ex-secret service you've kind of chucked out the window right so you need some other thing somehow anyway right um it's yeah some of the that particular casting choice just doesn't make sense to me. No. No. <laughs> and frankly, the the more I think about it, why does this even have to be the secret organization? This is like the second Mark Millar adaptation where it's like whatever he had on the page, uh, it, it's like they they can't they can't figure out how to make it sense make sense to Joe Blow. <laughs> so it's just fine. It's a secret organization with a whole bunch of money for some reason. They they did it with Wanted. Now yeah. they did it with this. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. Unless they thought that in doing it as a, a standalone independent organization, it would be harder for the supervillain to figure out who they were, rather than you know, oh, okay, it's it's MI five. Fine, then we'll go in and we'll we'll infiltrate here and chip everybody up. Yeah, but that's never stopped James Bond. It's never stopped Jack Bauer. I. I yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those decisions. I, 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 I cannot figure out why they did it, except to 
And I can't figure out why they did it. Because... And, and the origin, we were legitimately the tailors of rich people, but they got killed in World War One. So <laughs> we got their money. Because reasons. Because reasons. And then we we <laughs> built this super secret base. With an elevator. With an elevator. <laughs> Try not to knock the table over in your enthusiasm to tell this story. But it's... <laughs> Yeah, why, why can't it just be the... That was one of the things in the comic that they were very inconsistent with in a lot of ways, but but I liked better. It was supposed to be the Secret Service trying to still be James Bond after years of budget cuts. Mm. So yeah, they were really inconsistent with it because, yeah, you've got one agent dying because his Union Jack snowmobile parachute doesn't open. <laughs> Because, of course, the opening scene in the book to make you think James Bond was, uh, yes, a ski and snowmobile chase. And like I said in my original review, I don't know why when people want to make you think James Bond, they immediately go to the ski chase from The Spy Who Loved Me. It's like, did Roger Moore just have that big an impression on so many people? Uh... You can't go jetpack from Thunderball. You've got to immediately go Spy Who Loved Me. I I got nothing. But but it was it was an element and it wound up being the reason that Eggsy was betrayed in the book was uh, yeah, the head of the secret service or at least the super secret division of it was like there's there's no budget. There's no future here. So of course I took money. Mm. That that's much more believable to me than oh I have been in charge of the secret organization to save the world that has existed for a hundred years. I believe I would like to live in a bunker and then shovel dead people after they've all killed each other. Yeah, like I said, it hangs on the sort of tenuous thread of, no, our way of life should be um, cherished by just the the few that we believe belong with us that that should be protected and we don't really care about these others they don't fit in and that's that's the only reason i was able to believe he was so easily swayed because he, you know he wasn't going to take a kid from a state school <laughs> well yeah but even that doesn't hold up because for all the all the class themes that sort of pop up and pop back down both in the comic and in the movie if you're if that's the argument that i believe i'm part of the one percent aristocracy who deserves to inherit the earth would you follow a new money lisping well no that, 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 would, that would be sorted out later in the new world order <laughs> When the right people get together to discuss how shit's going to be. I suppose you could make that argument. But are you going to go? Yes. After this person has deployed his. See, even that doesn't make any sense. Because for all of this to work, for this plot to work anyway, it means all these people have to be willing, as we saw they were, to undergo surgery and get an implant that will allow this gentleman to kill you by pressing a button. So, yeah, there nobody well, believe. I'm not saying it was. I'm not saying he did it for the for for any sort of logical reason. 
you know, as as Harry's character points out, it's that sort of thinking that has led to a degeneration in the aristocracy, which manifests, among other things, in soft chins, weak chins. <laughs> weak chins, brain damage, unable to think of simple cause and effect. Yes. <laughs> if you're going to follow Valentine's New World Order, you're going to have to follow it or he'll kill you by pointing at you. Yes. So... <laughs> I, look, I'm not saying that it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and, and I'm just saying that the class themes that in particular, I think, in the movie, I think the idea of class being a consideration certainly was in the book. But I think it becomes much more of a theme in the movie where it's just this dude who is a kingsman who's trying to elevate random people. Mm -hmm. uh into the Kingsman, I just I I don't think it holds up. I'm just <laughs> why would these people follow the internet billionaires just saying we're gonna kill everybody and by the way in order to follow along you have to make it so I can kill you. It's at that point people are tacitly acknowledging not we are the aristocracy. It's yep you're the man and I'll do whatever you say. Again, yeah, I I don't disagree with what you're saying. I'm just saying that there's there's a certain attitude I think that goes along with a particular group of people. So they they would totally rationalize why they're going along, and they would also rationalize we've been here since the dawn of time with our money, and if we wait long enough, our time will come again. <laughs> it's like the same jackasses who say the South will rise again. It's <laughs> I suppose. I think it's more Matthew Vaughn was like, I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. <laughs> it's just, it, it doesn't, that part doesn't hold up for me. But it doesn't hold up for me thinking about it now a few hours later. In, in watching the movie, certainly if you turn your brain off, it's fine. This is, look, this is not meant to be the, the great American slash British telenovela. No. For Christ's sake, it's... It's an action flick where we get a nice shot of ass at the end of it and heads explode. Yes, they, they explode gloriously. Yes, it's... <laughs> and All right, so what do you think about that ending? And again, we've spoiled a whole lot of stuff. We'll just keep spoiling stuff. The, the ending where almost every world leader has their head blown up by the Kingsmen. As sort of an afterthought, just to save their own ass. Yeah, um, it's it, the fact that it was an afterthought to save their own ass saves it from being some sort of radical message of let's overturn everything now and rise up. I suppose. Um, yeah, but there had to be some kind of message on Vaughn's and in the screenwriter's mind to even put that in there. You don't blow up the head of the. The, the leader of the free world without having some idea in mind. Well, I mean, I honestly don't know to what degree they really wanted to say some kind of political message or anything beyond, you know, gosh, don't our politicians suck and not actually help the little guy. <laughs> and and that should go. That That's the best I can figure is it's a big simplistic. Eh, these people aren't fit to lead anyway. So fuck them. They would sell us out. Yeah. No, they're selling us out every day, maybe. Yeah, that 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 would seem to be the simplest. Because, um, 
I don't want to get into politics. It's, it's supposed to be a big, dumb movie. <laughs> it's <laughs> true. Very true. Um, But, you know, it seemed to me like, okay, yep, the bad guy was defeated. Those who would be corrupt and be in collusion with the bad guy have been defeated, um, which leaves a, a sucking power vacuum in terms of who's going to get in there and actually lead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At this stage. Well, obviously, it'll be the Kingsman. <laughs> They'll create... Eggsy and what's her face, the president of a, uh, the the queen of the princess of Scandinavia. Yeah, yeah, they'll create a whole new batch of baby leaders. Nice Aryan <laughs> little babies. Oh, Jesus Christ! Can <laughs> I say they found whoever it was? They got the kid that played uh, Eggsy. It was like they found like like the the Cockney Matt Damon. Um, <laughs> he did look a lot like him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and also, you know, watching it in the spirit of Goodwill Hunting, very much the you know, the kid from the rough side of town who's you know secretly gifted. <laughs> Goodwill headhunting with yeah, with with like you know write, the, write that one down. That's not a terrible title. We don't have one yet. Yeah, the the shitty accent that suggests that you're from the shit side of town and <laughs> yeah, the the southie of London. Yeah, all if all all it would have taken for it would be for him to say like, how you like them apples. In his accent, which I won't try. Yeah, don't try it. <laughs> Jesus, don't try it in a Boston accent. We're from here. I, I know my my Boston right. accent sucks balls. But um, what am I writing down? <laughs> Goodwill headhunting. Right. <laughs> Clearly, we're in no condition to be doing this show no. today. I just it, every time I look over your shoulder, I look out the window, and there's more fucking snow falling, and I just want to be dead a little bit more. God's own damn dandruff. No, that's cocaine. Right. You're, you're mixing it up. Oh, no, wait. That's a devil's dandruff. I made a mistake. God's own dandruff is, uh, I believe, uh, crystal meth. Oh. See, I'm just figuring that like God's up there right now pulling an Ali Sheedy in the Breakfast Club. Um, no, I believe he's uh, <laughs> shitting all over the, <laughs> the city of Boston. Um, so, <clears throat> I... I... I, I I still I would watch it again. I enjoyed it. I thought it was big dumb fun. It, it was just there were weird moments. You know when Colin Firth walks in and he's all you know like doing awful things to to people with his m- mad skills. It's like wow, look at Darcy go. Damn. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I thought more the King's speech. <laughs> Samuel J- J- Jackson's c- c- coming to c- kill me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One one thing that in both rereading the book and seeing the movie, Mark every almost every superhero comic is at its core a power fantasy. Yes, whether it's Spider Man or Superman, most of them take the form of the concept of someone saying, "If only someone could see the real me, they would." respect me and love me that's yeah. where secret identities come into play you know clark kent peter parker says oh if they only knew that i was this as special as i am they would love me mark millar books have a very different idea on the power fantasy and it's if somebody would just give me the chance i would kill all these mother fuckers who are fucking up my life yeah and it's less so in the movie the there is a final revenge scene but it's really just against this one particular guy who's been tormenting him and his mom but it is lousy through 
the Secret Service comic and a lot of Millar's comics. Uh, well, it, it shows up definitely in Wanted. In Wanted, in it even uh, showed up, I think, in so, to some degree with with his run on the Ultimates, because yeah, you, know, you get you know Hank, that particular version of Hank Pimback, who's a complete douche nozzle. Oh yeah, and <laughs> and, uh, and and you get and, a Captain America who you know is much more Jack Bauer like in some some ways than. Steve Rogers really ought to be. <laughs> yeah, far more of a bully than yeah. Captain America ever has been. And you've got Bruce Banner who Yeah, Bruce finally, Banner particularly. Yeah, takes the Hulk serum and 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 yeah, wants to do awful things. <laughs> yeah. So it's if most comics are an adolescent power fantasy, Mark Millar books and the Secret Service or uh, almost pre-adolescent. It comes down to uh, I'd get you if I could. There are a lot of a lot of wedgies somebody had to overcome, or lockers one has been stuffed in, perhaps swirlies. There, there's yeah. some stuff going on there. See, I, I'm <laughs> I'm not Scottish or English. I always sort of have assumed that most of the terms that they tell us are for English food are actually for perverse public school near buggery hazing like spotted dick spotted dick uh that is actually a dessert it's a thing that exists in the world bacon buddy you that's can't. a sandwich <laughs> yeah it's a kind of sandwich if you get my drift with bacon do not diss the buddy <laughs> <laughs> write that one down that's it's fucking glorious do not diss the buddy <laughs> It's I'd I'd be afraid to order breakfast in, in London just because <laughs> toad in a hole. <laughs> what? Yeah. What the fuck is a toad in a hole? It's food. I'm really gonna need you to be more specific <laughs> because it sounds like something that happens to you in a locker room. Toad in a hole. I think that is um. I, I think there's sausage involved. Of course there is. <laughs> I I. I I can't really get into more than that. Uh, there's sausage involved. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Sausage involved. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna have to look that up. I, I want to say it's. I want to say it's like a pigs in a blanket kind of thing. <laughs> Which is the American one that sounds like a terrible thing that happens to you <laughs> in a locker room. Pigs in a blanket sounds like what happens when somebody hot boxes the bed. <laughs> oh, Don't you fucking tempt me. <laughs> Dutch oven, baby. Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Somebody was giving booze to these goddamn things. <laughs> uh, all right, so how are we doing on time? Uh, it's uh, 55 minutes or so. Okay. Might be a little bit shorter episode than usual, but it's just as well with the snow coming down. We should probably get everything on the wire earlier rather than later. So, all right. Any other final thoughts on the movie Secret Service? This I mean, movie is big, dumb fun. It won't make you any smarter. But you know what? It was an enjoyable afternoon at the movies. I would recommend them. I would recommend it for somebody who's looking to go turn their brain off for a while. Yeah, it's a, it was fun. Now, it was, if I'm given the choice between this and Skyfall, I'm watching Skyfall. Well, yeah, this and almost any non-Roger Moore James Bond movie. <laughs> but it, it was it was fun. Yeah. And in rereading the secret service in a single volume in one shot i think it holds up better than i originally thought it did with that said i'd love millar to write something that doesn't sound like he's using the comic book 
as a built-in storyboard for what was only ever supposed to be a movie pitch. Yeah. I'm tired of paying $3 per book, and a lot of times I've stopped and don't pick up Millar books, or I'll just pick up the first one and say, you've got five pages, because I don't want to read the movie pitch. Yeah. No, I I love comics. That I'm, summed up my feeling, actually, a lot with uh, Hit Girl and Kick-Ass 2. That was... <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of had to stop reading the book. And then when I watched the movie, I enjoyed the movie far more than I thought I was going to. But there, there's a lot of painful memories of me just reading the books and cringing for Mindy. Like just, <laughs> <laughs> I cringed for everybody. Kick-Ass I was excited for when it first came out. Yeah. I don't think Kick-Ass needed to be three series plus a Hit Girl series. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, they turned into a couple of decent movies and... Then you keep hearing about somebody saying, oh, now I want to make another one. And no, we don't need any more fucking kick-ass or hit-girl movies. Well, at this point, like, Chloe Moretz is going to be a woman soon. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> by the time they're done, her battle cry will be, my hip! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know they can make another one, but she's, she's not going to stay little tiny Mindy that much longer. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're out of time with that one. Unless they want to start putting her through some sort of you know, Russian or German Olympic gymnast regimen so that her boobs stop growing and her period goes away and they can just keep her that size and age for the next 12 years. You're making an awful lot of perverts very excited. You want to stop right now. That's not a Dutch thing. oven, baby. Oh, Christ. <laughs> so, yeah, we don't need any more kick-ass movies. Yes. Millar, you did Red Sun. That was good. Frankly, even that comes down to an elevator pitch. What if Superman landed in Russia? True. But... <laughs> I'm just so it 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 makes me kind of angry to see these books where that are just built in movie pitches. Malara, I have a pitch for you. I'd I'd like you to work with this uh, premise. What if Catwoman didn't suck? Oh come on now! <laughs> <laughs> I think he can run with that. <sighs> Almost anybody could run with it at this <laughs> point. All right, you want to talk about a couple of. This week's comic? Sure. All right. Which one do you want to start with? Oh, let's start with um, Darth Vader. All right. Speaking of things that don't suck. Yes, this is actually pretty solid. Uh, so, yeah. Star Wars Darth Vader number one, uh, the second of three titles starting out with that Marvel is doing on Star Wars. The yes. other one's going to be Princess Leia. Uh, but this one was written by Kieran Gillen, uh, art by Salvador La Roca, and... So, yeah, we're in the aftermath, not only of the Death Star from the first movie, but uh, the rebel attack on Simon that we saw in Jason Aaron and John Cassidy's Star Wars number one and two over the last few weeks. Uh, since the rebels uh, were impersonating Jabba's envoys in that book, in this one, the Emperor sends Vader to Tatooine to see Jabba personally, mm -hmm. but the Emperor is hiding something from Vader, and if the prequels taught us anything, it was uh, don't do any fucking prequels. <laughs> uh, oh, and that uh, Darth Vader, uh, he don't like to get that Tatooine sand in his butt crack or no. something. I don't, Makes you, him cranky. You're not going to make me watch the prequels again to find out what the fuck it is. Um, cranky so, Vader. <laughs> so, yes. Vader has a personal agenda on Tatooine that he is also attending to. Yes. So... Yes, spoilers will follow on this. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought, like with Aaron and Cassidy's Star Wars 1, they really got the opening to this 
right. Yes. Yeah, you've got the same a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away on the first page. Turn it to that big double-page Star Wars logo. The next page is the crawl saying what's going on. I read the whole book with the Imperial Death March going through my head. Just- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dun, 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 <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Well, it's, <laughs> and those things are followed by, we get really a pretty close to beat by beat replay of the sequence from Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. when Luke goes into Jabba's palace. You know, yeah. The door opens, he goes in, he's con- confronted by the Gamorrean guards. Then it's Bib Fortuna. And then he's brought to Jabba and, you know, his entire entourage. Vader standing in pretty much in the same place Luke is. So you get a sense of familiarity, but almost a built-in sense of foreboding because I know how this goes for Luke, <laughs> and this is Darth fucking Vader. Right. So, right. so yeah, it's the downside to that is that built-in dread. And for me, it was a little bit tempered because I'm like, oh, what's going to happen? I'm like, well, you know he gets out of it. <laughs> yeah, I know neither Jabba nor Vader are killed in this. So, <laughs> you know, it's there's a little bit of dread. Oh, what's going to happen? Is he going to have to face the rancor? And how's that going to go? But there's still the the reduced stakes of, all right, you know everybody's walking out of this one way or the other. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, what did you take from the book? I... Because I got more I can do, but you talk. Well, no, I... I... I enjoyed it, but my enjoyment of it really ramped up near the end when I, I saw that he had slaughtered a whole bunch of sand people. Not because I'm into genocide, but because <laughs> um, I'm not. Uh, I don't know. You thought the movie about genocide was just big, dumb fun. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, just, I just had a random thought on that, if we could talk about the movie for two seconds. Okay. Uh, the, they had a couple of moments where they were looking at the um, fight scenes through uh, Gary's glasses. Yeah. And it, for all the world, it kept looking to me like um, first person shooter. <laughs> just, yeah. Uh, I was saying, oh, Doom or Quake. And then I had a couple of moments of, no, no, this is when I was playing the Hoth sequence um, on the <laughs> Star Wars video game when it, where you could do like the three episodes and oh, yeah. <laughs> things would pop up around the corner and I have to blast them. Yeah, the Star Wars arcade game. I love that game. I know. We'll... See, it ties to this. See, it's, this is Darth Vader that we're, because you fight Vader at the end of that sequence. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it does tie to it. Okay, so back to the book. Um, Darth Vader, I I enjoyed this and I was really trying to figure out, you know, okay, so what does, what is the personal agenda, which we find at the end, you know, the Sand People, that he wants to accomplish while he's here? Um, Well, that that was one of them. I I liked when when you have sort of the reveal of, you know, okay, the Emperor wants him to bone up on his negotiation skills so that he can, in their words, haggle if necessary. Yeah. And his version of haggling is, nah, I'm going to kill your entire staff or you're going to do what I want you to do. <laughs> that sounds like Darth Vader uh, negotiation. Yeah. And I, and I liked, I liked the characterization that got straight to the point of, no, nah, I'm not going to Jedi, Jedi mind trick to you because I'm not a Jedi. Let's talk about what the Sith do. <laughs> and yeah, that was a good sequence. And, the... Well, and also the, the choking kind of harkens onto what Leia will eventually do to him. Um, when when they're on the sand ship. Oh yeah, it's a nice callback. Yeah, well, call forward. I, well, whatever. whatever the fuck you want reference, to call it. Reference. It's a nice reference. Yes. Um. So there there were a lot of really great character beats that I felt Gillen got right. 
with with vader so i'm looking forward to seeing where it goes and i thought it was really interesting the bounty hunters that they brought in because you the assumption is oh well this must be where they get boba fett to go look for for uh han but it's not (laughs) well see i i i kind of had an opposite reaction i always have this reaction with boba fett it's like oh no (laughs) look the damn it (laughs) god damn it (laughs) the I know there are many who love Boba Fett. For me, the only real nostalgia I have for Boba Fett is it was the action figure that you had to send away for and I had to wait eight weeks for it to come in. And I couldn't even get the one that shot the rocket that'll choke people. And that's why I still have a brother who steals my fucking comics while I'm at college. I know. But, I mean, Boba Fett, and I'm not the first person to make this argument, Boba Fett never does anything it's true when we see him in the movie he follows the millennium falcon at a safe distance to cloud city at a medium pace (laughs) (laughs) you shut up (laughs) but yeah he he follows at a safe distance he waits and picks up han solo after vader and the stormtroopers capture him torture him and put him in carbonite delivers him to Jabba, stands around looking foreboding, and winds up getting his ass kicked by a blind man and getting killed and digested by a space vagina. It's true. He doesn't ever fucking do anything. To me, the cool part about seeing him in this, for all his bragging of, hey, the only way I fail is if you pay me to fail, it's like, no, this is the beginning of your long trek of failure across two Star Wars movies because Vader's paying you to bring in Skywalker and clearly you never fucking accomplish it. Yeah, now that you mention it. So. But the Wookiee that he was with seemed interesting. (laughs) Yes, but the one thing I... The only thing I think looking at him, yeah, he's supposed to look badass, but almost to a fault. Is it me or what was his name? Black Cur... Curse, curse something. Just clear your throat. It'll probably... Black. (laughs) Was he not wearing a belt buckle that was an arrow pointing right at his fucking Wookiee junk? Might have been. Let's see. Let's see. Maybe somebody got it for him for life day. It's possible. (laughs) But yeah, it's... Hurry up. Flip faster. This is radio, goddammit. Yeah, yeah. it's, It's pointing at... The, the junk somewhere in his hairy nethers. Yeah. So I, I did kind of like the idea of Boba Fett as his own form of scoundrel, maybe having his own Wookiee buddy that he gets separated from. Yeah. You know, to give him a Han Solo mirror. But, <laughs> but otherwise, Boba Fett just doesn't do a hell of a lot for me because he just never does anything. Yeah. I, I... I realize I'm speaking blasphemy to... Probably half of our listeners, but yeah, I'm just not a Boba Fett guy. That's okay. It's all right. It's it's not like there's a special hell you go to, as far as I know. Yeah. One thing that I, I liked on this was we've got Vader facing the Emperor after not only having lost the Death Star, but the production resources in the, uh, the Aaron Cassidy comic book. Yes. On one hand... I like that because it's it's good to see Vader actually facing some consequences 
for yes. really, if you stop and think about it, this is the first time we really see him face consequences despite the fact he fucks up over and over <laughs> and over again. He he lost the plans to the deaths. He has already fucked up by the time we meet him in the first movie. It's he's true. lost the plans to the Death Star. Now, and by this point, he's also lost one of the rebel leaders. He's lost the entire Death Star. He's lost, one would presume, some of the Empire's highest ranking leaders. Now, it, now I'm beginning to understand why they hired that awful child and Hayden Christensen in the prequels. Because, all right, yeah, he's a loser. He, he, he's, he was just destined to lose in life. He is a threatening loser, but he's, he just keeps making mistakes. I was going to say, he, he must have lost some of the Empire's best military leaders. Because if you've got something like the Death Star, you're not putting your best and brightest in charge of the Adat motor pool on East Fuckistan. No. It's, they, they were killed on the goddamn Death Star. So he is just repeatedly making mistakes through these movies. But one thing I did like about this also was it showed that Vader, it, it made concrete that Vader was willing to keep things from the Emperor mm-hmm. um, to try to pursue Luke on his own. Because one question I did always have, to, to get back to the more serious about <laughs> Star Wars, when Vader told Luke that he was his father and he wanted to wrest control of the Emperor and rule it as father and son, mm. I always wondered... Is this just a line of bullshit so that you can get him to come in and deliver him to the Emperor? Or do you really maybe looking to seize power? I think it's a little column A, a little column B. I, you know, as as we learn from the unfortunate prequels, um, Sith only travel in packs at two. You have your your Sith Master and your apprentice. Yeah. Um so there something that is suggested in in this book is there's this other random Sith looking character that's got the one weird bug eye um, <laughs> that that the emperor doesn't want to talk about to Vader you get the impression that maybe he's training another apprentice on the side and stepping out on Vader actually i hadn't really thought of that i just sort of took on faith oh, he's up to something but yeah that makes sense well, cuz he's got that one weird glowy eye so why would you give him sith eye like it's not like it's like conjunctivitis of the of the midichlorian. Um, <laughs> Write that. You know, down. I got a, I got a little uh, midichlorian in my eye. I didn't need penicillin. Right. Like, <laughs> write down conjunctivitis of the midichlorian. That's a pretty decent title. Yeah, um, I, I hadn't thought of that. I don't think Sith eye is a thing either. Write down Sith eye too. That's. Um, so, you know, I wonder if in here he's beginning to get the sense that his time with the emperor may be coming to an end. So he needs to start training his own apprentice. And if it turns out that Luke is either strong with the force or is in fact, even his own child, even better then he knows that there's, there's half a midichlorian gangbang up in that bitch, yo. And <laughs> midichlorian. <laughs> Don't write down Metacorian gang gang. That'll but you know, that's iTunes. that's a lot of power to bring to four against the Emperor if he can bring this kid over to the dark side. Yeah, that's true. I, I hadn't thought of the the concept of that maybe that dude that we saw could have been a, a potential apprentice, but I guess that's possible. Yeah. I mean Well that's and that's who um I, I got the impression that that's who the the evil Wookiee is supposed to be looking for at the end of this. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that's who he's hunting down. So, 
but the the one thing I couldn't help thinking through this whole sequence is how bad does one need to fuck up to get a dishonorable discharge from the fucking imper- imperial? You don't get a dishonorable <laughs> discharge. You get killed. Well, how bad do you have to fuck up to get killed if you're not, you know, Captain Nita? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because... Vader, he fucks up through all the movies. He does. In Empire, he loses the princess again. And Luke. On, like, three different fucking occasions. Because he loses him in Hoth. Yep. Loses Leia in the asteroid belt. And loses Han, not Han, uh, Luke and Leia on Bespin. Yeah, he's not good at his job. Yeah. And yet the Emperor still sends him to oversee the fucking construction of the final Death Star. I, I, <laughs> yeah, wow, that's, he's not very good at his job. Yeah, so listen, Anakin, you, you lost uh, the flagship Death Star, the Imperial Fleet, gotta be half a dozen Star Destroyers in the Battle of Hoth to the Ion Cannon, uh, you've let the leaders of the Rebellion slip through your fingers more times than you have fucking fingers. I don't know. At least I didn't catch you in the farmhouse fucking my daughter. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's not a good long-term plan. I mean, he would have almost been better off getting more clones. (laughs) He'd have been better off getting Wacky the Putts or Benny Hill (laughs) fucking chase people down for him. Yeah. The The other problem is and I don't know if this was on purpose or, or I don't know if uh, I'm just missing various sources that have come together. But while they were in the emperor's office on Coruscant, did that not look a lot like the emperor's office from that sketch? In, oh, it uh, did. Totally. In the Star Wars robot chicken. Oh, absolutely. It did. Yeah. <laughs> Go for Papa Palpatine. You have a collect call from... Darth Vader. It's <laughs> so the problem is I keep having the goddamn visuals of that sketch, <laughs> and it's that's... no, no, wait, I'm gonna put them on hold. Ah! <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> oh, just rebuild it, uh, a real, real fucking original. And who's gonna give me a loan, Jackhole? You? You got an ATM on that torso light bright? I get your seven foot two asthmatic ass back here, or I'm gonna tell everyone what a whiny bitch you were about Potamame or Panda Bear or whatever the hell her name is. Oh, jeez, he's crying. <laughs> that's all I could picture after a certain point. And so that's what made me keep thinking that Vader really is a... He's like the Inspector Clouseau of, of Star Wars, I guess. <laughs> yeah, he he's really a fuck-up. And it, that's a hard thing to say about one of the great villains of genre movie history, but he just makes terrible mistakes over and over again. Yeah, is Chevy Chase under there? I mean, just what's going on? <laughs> Uh, look, I, you know, I'm just dealing with a lot of crap right now. Death Star blown up by a bunch of f-ing teenagers. You know, I didn't mean to snap. That's the only explanation. That kind of relationship is why Vader is not just butchered by the Emperor, particularly between Empire and Jedi, for Christ's sake. Yeah, how many times? Have we, oh, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, now bring it in. Bring it in. <laughs> Who loves you? I mean, <laughs> But to take it back to more serious for a minute if you can forget about that kind of stuff that's what that's what the the Aaron Cassidy and this book are really helping 
rehabilitate for me. And it's as simple as since it's a comic book, you can see Vader doing badass shit. Yes. You know, the, the battle with all of Jabba's entourage in this and the stuff that he did in the latest Star Wars. I don't know if you read Star Wars uh, issue two. Mm. Um, but yeah, battling with Luke and just decimating him. And when the stormtrooper sees him without his helmet, just to reach out and twist his head all the way around. You see Vader get to do badass stuff that you never could see him do in the movies. Right. Because let's face it, David Prowse is a big dude, but he's a big six foot six gork in a heavy leather costume. I firmly believe that's half of why he did force choke. <laughs> the most he could move was get his arm up to shoulder level. Oh, hell. I mean, that's probably, that is probably the best he could do because, you know, 20 years later, when, or more than 20 years later, when the first Batman movie came out, you know, Michael Keaton had a very limited range of motion in that. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, decade or so later, when you fast forward it to the first of the Dark Knight reboot trilogy, the stories they would tell about Christian Bale having absolutely limited mobility in that. Oh, yeah. You know, and then uh, if you take it out to like, you know, a whole Darth Vader size thing with the helmet and everything else, you're not doing anything. You're, you're lucky that if you don't, it, it, you fall down, you'll be like that kid in Christmas story, <laughs> like, <laughs> like flailing around like a turtle on your back. I can't get up. I can't get up. <laughs> Ralphie. <laughs> Ralphie. <laughs> Ralphie. <laughs> But that's a cool thing about these comics. It's we actually get to see Vader being a badass. So whereas he got by despite rampant fuckery through three movies yeah. with James Earl Jones's Jones's voice and pure size, well, now he's got the pure size and can actually get some moves in and Vader is more threatening in the last three Marvel issues that have come out than he was in large parts of the trilogy, for Christ's sake. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it's 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 the nice thing about comic books. You have, if used properly, an unlimited budget in some way for for these special effects and these these stories that you might not otherwise be able to tell. Yeah, and and while you know, I've had a little bit of fun with that sequence with <laughs> with the Emperor. It's this really was a, a solid issue. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, from yeah that beginning sequence of just mirroring what happened with Jedi to, yeah, bringing in Boba Fett. Well, Boba Fett doesn't do a lot for me. Yeah, ta capping that off with the slaughter of the Tusken Raiders. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a callback to the prequels. It's, <laughs> it's a far more concrete, I had business that now I can finish. The yeah, wimpy pussy Anakin from Attack of the Clones. <laughs> Ugh, I hate the sand people, and there's coarse sand in my butt crack because I can't get laid. And no, it's well, he he did you know wholesale slaughter them after his mom died. <laughs> that... It seems like he went back to finish the job with this. Yeah, so... like if, I think if you go to Tatooine now, there's just um a hole. <laughs> a hole in the desert, dear Liza. <laughs> like, yeah, when when Luke looks out with his turbo binoculars now, I can't do a crooked imitation. <laughs> Chirp. 
But yeah, seriously, Emperor, uh, think about killing Vader. Vader, how's my favorite Sith? Whoa, 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 whoa. Just slow down. Huh? What do you mean they blew up the Death Star? Oh, <laughs> Who's they? What the hell is an aluminum falcon? <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you consider the fuck-ups that Vader goes through, it's like, yeah, what Keystone Cop operation are you fronting? <laughs> no, those midichlorians, it's, a bad, it's some bad shit. That's, that's space meth. <laughs> space meth. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think clearly... It's just it's leading to, like, the syphilis, like, the space syphilis that took Cal, Al, Al Capone. Like, <laughs> like... <laughs> well, his, his nose is rotting off. It's tertiary, tertiary midichlorians. That's what he's got. <laughs> Yeah. Write that one down. That's not terrible. <laughs> so, yeah, look, as much fun as I've had with that meeting between the Emperor and Vader, at least it did show there were potentially some consequences there. I, I do think maybe the meetings between the two of them should be kept to a minimum for the time being. Yeah. Because, <laughs> yeah, there was some really badass shit in this book. This this was a good book. Yeah, as much as we're, we're making fun of certain things, it's because the book was so good that it's inspiring us to consider all of the ways that some other things were just so not good <laughs> yeah it, it inspired a close enough reading and rereading i've read this one two or three times if you can get to the point of huh well what about this which i suppose also is a a vote for kingsman we did the same thing <laughs> absolutely again i i enjoyed that movie it, yes under scrutiny you can pick it apart but it's, it doesn't take away the fact that watching it is just fun. Yeah. Well, look, let's face it. I just took apart Darth Vader, one of the great villains in screen history. <laughs> Doesn't mean I'm not going to watch my Star Wars Blu-rays again. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, but yeah, this one, I don't know. I'm not sure quite. Uh, there's there's nothing but awesome in Jason Aaron's and John Cassidy's Star Wars so far. Right. This is really good. I'm not sure it's I'd put it a little bit behind it, but still very, very solid. Yeah, I think as supporting material, it's very solid. Yes. Well, that's actually, and that's one thing I, I did want to bring up. This, to to fully enjoy this, you need to have read Star Wars. Yes. What Marvel is clearly building here is an integrated story between Star Wars, this, and I imagine the Princess Leia book that's going to be coming out. Yes. Now, on one hand, that's kind of dirty pool. <laughs> if you're the world's biggest Darth Vader fan and decided, I'm just going to get this, there are story elements here that you're not going to understand because they happened in Star Wars. Yes. Whether Although we, I, you could probably fill in the blanks. Probably. But if that continues where we start seeing things in Star Wars that are based on things that happened in Darth Vader and in Princess Leia and vice versa, they're setting up something where now you're buying three books a month instead of one if you want the full experience. Yes. Now, if you're a big Star Wars fan... You're probably buying them anyway. You're probably buying them anyway. But they're setting up almost what is a an event crossover type storytelling. Whoa, 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 Rob. Are you suggesting that Marvel would do an event? I'm that saying, would make you buy multiple books to keep up? I am <laughs> 
quiet, you. <laughs> of course they would, for Christ's sake. But, I am shocked. But what they historically, God damn it. Don't look at it. <laughs> Shut your eyes, Mary, and don't look at it, no matter what happens. That wasn't the right sound clip. <laughs> God damn it. That's, you just want to suck the joy out of everything. That's the one I wanted to do. But <laughs> of course they would do it in an event where they don't generally do it is across every single one of their titles. Yes, but these are new titles. This is a whole new ball game yeah. for them. Yeah, I know it is, but I never had to read Ultimate X-Men to get what was happening in Ultimate Spider-Man. True. To get down to another sub-universe of what Marvel does. Yes. Whereas they're clearly doing that here, whether they're really going to do it on a constant basis, where if you haven't read Princess Leia... You'll get to an issue of Darth Vader where you see a flashback and don't know what the fuck they're talking about. I don't know. But yeah, because that makes me worry because eventually they'll start telling the stories like between Empire and Jedi and I really don't want to have to buy the Wicked book. I... <laughs> <laughs> what, what the fuck are you worried about? There's not even a Boba Fett book. Yet. It's Yet. Very possible that they'll do it, but for right now... Believe me, they're probably leaving money on the table not doing a Boba Fett book. Particularly, end of this issue, Boba Fett sending him off on a mission. <laughs> Trust me, it's going to be a while before they... We'll see a Hammerhead book before we see a fucking Wicked W. War book. <laughs> yub yub. It's <laughs> the whole book. We'll get a Salacious Crumb book before we get a fucking Wicked book. Oh, God. Or at least that thing we... gave me nightmares. That was a creepy little... Shit. <laughs> oh, I will be getting that sound effect to keep on the soundboard immediately. <laughs> awesome. Hey, I, I, happy Valentine's Day, baby. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> I'm looking forward to hotboxing the bed tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking forward to sleeping in the car. <laughs> All right, so you want to do uh, Southern Bastards? Yes, let's do that. All right, Southern Bastards 7, uh, written by Jason Aaron, uh, art by Jason Latour. This one we're just basically checking back in with. This is not... <laughs> This is not a a particular issue that you should get if you have not been reading Southern Bastards. No. But this book has been so goddamn good right from the beginning. It just seems like a good good time to check back in and yeah. see what's going on to, to relay. Well, it's this the beginning a, of a new arc. So at the well, end of the previous arc. No, it's not the beginning of a new arc. Well, it's a prequely arc. That's true. But we're we're sort of in the middle of that. Yeah. With... Yeah, with with the first arc, with Earl coming back into town, which is... And seemingly stomped to shit by the end of the first arc. Oh, not seemingly. Dead. Yeah. Was, dead he, was he dead? I was yeah. kind of hoping he was just sort of like going to recover in the hospital and Oh, no. Mr. Mr. Tubbs, he dead. Oh, well. Dead as anybody. I read that wrong. I shouldn't read drunk. <laughs> Don't <laughs> read drunk, kids. Well, then what would you read? The more you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're... Sort of in the middle of, you know, yes, with that opening arc, it was Coach Boss's town. Coach Boss was in that first arc, such a stereotypical small southern town, yeah. basically warlord, that every time we saw him, I expected to hear the A-team theme. <laughs> he, was, he was that kind of bad guy. This yeah. is my town, and everything goes through me, and almost one-dimensional. Seemingly there for Earl Tubbs to stomp on. Right. And as soon as that arc's over, we go back to what amounts to his origin story and what Aaron and Latour have been able to do and take this 
just horrible human being and humanize him has been just spectacular. It's not a thing you'd expect from what in all intents and purposes was a 70s Southern revenge story. Well, it's in, sort of in keeping with the theme of what we've been talking about today for uh, much of the show. It would seem that that uh, Coach Boss's origin story really comes from a, a place where we have a young man who wants to have a power fantasy and a, and a bit of a revenge fantasy because he can't get what he wants. Yeah. <laughs> and eventually we, well, we discover he's going to be able to live that dream, but here here he's in the shit and, and we're to feel badly for him because he's being treated poorly when really he could just fucking leave town. <laughs> well, well, that that is the... Well, technically not really. I mean, you're in high school, even though his father in this is shown to be a complete reprobate who's gone for weeks and weeks at a time. Where's he going to go in high school? You you don't get to just haul stakes and go to another high school. That's not the way life works. No, but you could, I don't know, get a job somewhere, buy a car and leave. Get I mean, a bus ticket. You could, but the whole point of this story is all he wants is football. Yeah. You know, he wants to play and particularly play for the Rebels. Yeah. You know, that's his hometown team, but also you know, apparently a long history of, of winning. Yeah. And, and he's hoping to work his way up to college football. All he wants is football. And and the, his coach has stymied this dream because anytime anybody has called, even though he was having a good season, he has uh, not been a good reference. Well, it's another you know class-based story here. Yes. He's, you know, we're from the Northeast. We have certain ideas about the South. They're not all accurate, but... No, but even if you read To Kill a Mockingbird, <laughs> there are pictures in it. No, but stay, thank you. Stay with me. Even okay. if you read To Kill a Mockingbird, quite a bit is made of of who your family is and and w what niche they occupy in in the fabric of your town. And you have the Yules, and the Yules know their place, and it's it's in the junkyard, um, in the in the trash heaps, and and that's where they live. Hey, Amanda, I'm a Yule. <laughs> No, you're really not. Okay. <laughs> um, and and they're allowed to let their kids skip school, and 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 dad drinks his welfare check away, and people turn a blind eye to it because you know, oh, those poor kids because of their daddy. But nobody's gonna give the Yules a leg up or a job. Like, okay. You know, um, and then and then you have you know the beyond that as far as the the Yules are concerned, they're above the black people who live in town. Uh, that that's the strata. And then, you know, you have the Cunninghams of the world who are a little bit better than the Yules and so on and so forth up into, you know, the narrator of the story where you've got Atticus Finch. He's not the narrator, but he's the town lawyer and, and, and the kids and they're of a particular standing. <laughs> okay. So there's the moisture farmers and then there's the bartenders at Moss Eisley. Yes. Then there's the Tuscan Raiders. Then there's the Jawas and then there's the droids. Yes. Shit, that's all you had to say. Okay, all right. So put it in terms I can understand. <laughs> all right. So so yeah, the the bosses of the world are never gonna get a leg up because they're the Yules. So they're the And as far as the community is the Tuscan is, Raiders? Or are they the Jawas? <laughs> they're the Jawas. <laughs> Utini. <laughs> Actually, yeah, yeah, they're the, they're the Jawas. 
Okay. Although I'm just trying to picture like having met um, Boss and his dad. I'm just picturing them kind of dressed up as Tuscan Raiders running around. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. We'll, we'll, we'll go with the sand people. Yeah. Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. I don't have sand people sound effects. Sorry. It's <laughs> as close as I can get. Um, but the, the point being that I, I get it, you know, you're, you're trapped in, in a particular niche and nobody is ever going to see you outside of that particular function that you serve for your community. And, and everybody feels that, yeah, ball boy is, is probably even too good for you, but you know, we'll give you that. Yeah. And, and even that more is a gag than anything else. Right. But yeah, the, the idea of I'm going to leave town, that's a non-starter. Even if he could do it, that's yeah. not what he wants. He wants to be involved with football to yeah. the point where he will do anything that that to me was the point of the the whole ending it's okay you've taken everything from me i'm not going to get on a college team but at least i can do this oh really this is as little as i can do and it's it's been a weird thing what these guys have done with this book is take this horrible one-dimensional evil villain and turn him into somebody who had a taste of what he wanted and worked his ass off to get on that team, no matter what happened to him. Yep. And it's taken from him and taken from him. And now we're getting to the arc to go back to Star Wars references. We are just past Attack of the Clones and we're moving into Revenge of the Sith. We've got a couple issues coming up where he stops being this kid and becomes coach boss. I can't wait to see. Oh, absolutely. Cause you get to a point where when things are taken from you and taken from you, when you become a man who has nothing left to lose, you truly become dangerous. Oh yeah. <laughs> Cause at that point it's like, it's either this or death. Ah, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. And I can't wait to see not only how he snaps, but the things that he does to, elevate himself to really the <laughs> the largest of the smallest of his dreams i mean his yeah. dream was play high school ball and go play for what's his name coach i don't know football coaches bear, know. was it bear bryant yeah bear okay because i was i mix up him and uh what's his face who threw uh chairs onto the basketball court <laughs> Knight. His name was Knight. Okay. <laughs> I pay some attention to baseball. That's all I've got for sports. <laughs> but but yeah, that dream to at least move to that is hammered down. So yeah, I suppose the bet fine. He elevated to himself to a point where the football team can't be taken away from him. The high school football right. team. So yeah, what leads him to that point where it's I'm gonna do anything to get that. And that just seems so small in the greater scheme of things, but yeah. But you forget when you're in high school how how your world can be very small, and yet it is is very large to you. Your 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 perception is your reality. Yeah, and you know things may push on your perception and challenge them, but if you don't, um, if you don't give into those challenges. <laughs> Your, your perception remains as it is. Yeah, and I suppose you'd be somewhat stunted. Yeah. Because, yeah, being a coach, probably his entire world, and just something that doesn't... <laughs> I don't know. I'd be a great football coach. I want you guys to go out there and protect your balls at any cost. <laughs> That's pretty much all I got. But... <laughs> 
But uh, that ball, get get it over there. <laughs> There's some kind of goal thing. Go that way very fast. <laughs> if something gets in your way, turn. <laughs> That's football, right? That's Tron. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Um, yeah, one uh, interesting art thing I noticed in this. There's only a few pages where he's actually playing. Yes. And is as happy as he probably will ever be in his life. Mm -hmm. And what Jason Latour does with the colors on that, everything before that and after that is in kind of darkish earth tones. Yes. But those pages where he is a player. They're red. They're they're team colors. Yeah. They're oh, red yeah. and white. Yeah. Okay. There's a ton of red and white everywhere. And everything because of that is just brighter and it's a really cool visual motif to show he's in it. This is all he wants. And yeah, you're looking at the page right now. And yeah. the minute it's over, they show the scoreboard showing the final game that was lost. It's right back to dark colors again. It yep. was just it was a cool little thing that jumped out to me about the art that that I just wanted to make a note of. No, it's it's that's a good point. See, I noticed the 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 Easter egg they slipped in when they were at um the boss household the number on the mailbox is 616 i just thought that was funny <laughs> from the 616 universe yeah um i don't think spider-man lives in this town oh no no he does not <laughs> I, don't, I don't think captain america is coming to help nope he might watch the game but it's your friendly neighborhood guy who's just gonna keep on swinging yeah <laughs> So yeah, this although is... it's funny on this page here where he he in seeming humiliation is picking up the balls and everything else, just a little bit of red on the horizon. <laughs> yeah, I had not noticed that, but yep, that that's a good point. So there, there's really cool art and color stuff going on in in this particular issue. Yeah. So yeah, this is not if you're not reading Southern Bastards, don't run out and grab this. Certainly grab the first trade, which is out. Yes. Uh, and if that doesn't hook you in. I don't know what will, but yeah, this is just a solid enough book. It's like, eh, all right, let's let's check check back in just to to let people know. Yeah, no, this is still really good. There are no heroes, no, at least not so far. At <laughs> least not heroes that in any way succeed. The only hero's journey in Southern Bastard so far ends with a hole in the ground. But yeah. it's still, and I say this is somebody who has lived his entire life in the Northeast and mostly in New England. Still, this is a really good book that is really interesting and relatable. Yes. Even though what I know about Southern small towns is I see them as I'm flying over. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you got anything on, on this? or No, I, th I think we kind of talked about all of the, the salient points. Okay. And I, I got all literary and shit. I know. And I went straight back to Star Wars because uh, that's all I got. <laughs> no, you went to the good school. <laughs> I, I went to a place where I'm told I had an excellent time for a few years. I went to the good school from, from the high school where the guidance counselor came into my honors geometry class in September and told us, um, the smart kids, not to even bother applying to the IVs or the small IVs because we wouldn't get in. I somehow managed to get out. So again, I think that's where my visceral just like get a friggin' ticket and get out of there. You can do it. <laughs> yeah, you you want to know my college experience? Talk the bar! The whole fucking bar! It's pretty close, as a matter of fact. I believe you. I've seen videotape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
where is it? Because that has to go or I will never be elected to public office. Now it's in the cloud, baby. <laughs> oh, God. With the midichlorians. You shut up. <laughs> All right, how are we doing on time? Oh, it's about one thirty-nine. Okay. So, ready to wrap this up? Yeah. All right, so... Yes, thank you for listening. Uh, don't know where you found this particular episode, but you can always find us at our home website, crisisoninfinitemidlives.com. We uh, are on Facebook. We're trying to do more with that. We'll get to it eventually. But Someday. We do certainly get messages through that. You can find a link to that through our homepage. We are on Twitter. We are at Infinite Midlife. Because Rob never remembers. I never remember. It just shows up on my phone. It's <laughs> all I care about. We are on Tumblr, crisisoninfinitemidlives.tumblr.com. Oh, but you know that. What's because... You made it, that's why. <laughs> yeah, and it's Crisis on Infinite Midlives. Amazingly, <laughs> that has stuck in my head somewhat. <laughs> we are on iTunes. If you happen to come across this episode there, uh, do us a favor. Uh, shoot us a review. Give us a rating. Uh, helps other people find the show. Helps, yes. Helps us know we... what people like and don't like. Besides, we just like hearing from, from listeners. We do. We uh, like feedback. We do. Uh, you can email us at crisisoninfinitemidlives at gmail.com. We are proud members of the Comics Podcast Network. Mm -hmm. And I think that is it. I you can anything? also find us in TuneIn Radio. Yep, TuneIn Radio. There's a link to that on our uh, homepage as well. Yep. And I guess that is it. This has been episode 55 of the Crisis on Infinite Midlives show. I'm Rob. I'm Amanda. Thank you for listening and derp. falling <laughs> what's that do you want me to go outside naked snow don't look at it mary and keep your eyes shut i am this close to trying to pee the snow away i gotta go <laughs>